1: In, uh, in in one of the most remarkable histories or accounts in the Bible, which is the test of God's friend. Um, so let's uh, first of all let's pray, Father. Thank you, Father. We've just feel tonight like we should call you friend, friend. Thank you for Lord recording this remarkable event in your in the life of your friend and how you tested your friend, and help us, Lord, to to learn tonight, all that you wanna teach us from this passage in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 22, verse one, Genesis 22, verse one, and it came to pass that after these things that Abraham, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am, or, here, I'm, here I am, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, "Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you." Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went, both of them, together. Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. They came to the place which God had told them of. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, Bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Okay, now in these scriptures, in this passage here that we've been been following along, it's really a a passage here that's full of feeling. And we've been feeling, we've been feeling along with Abraham the, 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 the shock when God asked Abraham in in verse two, take now thy son, thy only son. And then he said, and offer him there. And then we felt Abraham's feeling of loss, this like emptiness, when God really pointed out, this is your only son, thine only son in verse two. We felt the pain that Abraham felt when God further went on in verse two and says, oh, I am talking about Isaac, whom thou lovest, and then we've been feeling as with all of this, Abraham's resolve that he is going to obey God. In verse three, when it said Abraham rose up early in the morning, and we understood why Abraham didn't go to anyone else and say, uh, "You know, God told me to sacrifice Isaac. What do you think?" But but it, and they and in that way, Abraham was just like Peter and the apostles in Acts. Uh, in, in Acts 5.29, Acts 5.29, where it says, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And we also felt Abraham's heart as his own heart would be speaking to him, don't do this, and wanting to go his own way. And we felt that Abraham said no to his heart that was like Isaiah 53.6, Isaiah three six, which says all we like sheep have gone uh, have, ter- have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and also the passage in Jeremiah seventeen nine, commenting on our heart, commenting on Abraham's heart. In Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we felt Abraham's trust. We felt Abraham's trust and his conviction, his assurance. God is going to raise my son Isaac from the dead right out of those ashes as we saw him in verse five when Abraham told the young men that were with him, verse five, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I and the lad will come again to you. And it was not just Abraham's feelings through all this that we felt in this chapter. We also felt Isaac's feelings as he began to realize he was going to be the sacrifice which he did when he saw everything for the sacrifice had been taken, but no lamb. No lamb was taken. And before even asking the question that we're going to consider here tonight, before even asking that question, Isaac knew. Isaac knew that he was going to be the sacrifice. And, And Isaac knew that there was no lamb. And Isaac knew that He was given the wood to carry up there that was gonna burn him. As it says in verse six, verse six, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And at that moment, we felt the crisis of decision that Isaac had to make as to whether he's going to agree to be the sacrifice or not agree. And so then we saw that without any words at all, as Isaac looked at Abraham, he looked into the the eyes of Abraham and Abraham looked into the the the, the uh, looked back into the eyes of Isaac, and Isaac looking into the eyes of his loving father. Without any words, he says, "Really, does it have to be this way? Must it be that I must die to be the sacrifice for God? To God, is there any other way? Is there any other way?" And then Abraham replies, also without any words but just use his eyes, the eyes of a loving father who speaks silently back as he looked into the eyes of his son and in in essence said, without words, yes. Yes, my son, it must be. You must be the sacrifice to God. You must be the burnt offering to God. There is no other way. And there was more that Abraham expressed with his eyes to Isaac as he said without any words, as he said, he said, in essence, without speaking, he said, I don't know. I don't know why God has asked for you to be the sacrifice. But there's been many things in life that God has asked me to do, and I don't know why, and I didn't know why, but one thing I know, and that is that God is good, and it's worth it to just trust God and just don't doubt. And as Abraham looked into the eyes of Isaac, and his eyes carried this message to Isaac, and, 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 he, and he, he, he could see it in his face, and, as he's, and in essence said, my son, all my hopes for God's promise, we've just been singing, standing on the promises, all my hopes for God's promises, for me to grow to be a great seed, that all centered in you, my son, and I know that in the end, you will not be left dead, because God's gonna raise you up to the dead because ashes don't generate seed. And you're gonna become, you're gonna, be, you're gonna be raised out so that my seed can become great because God promised that. So all this communication is going on, is taking place between Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac is reading this assurance from his father that all would be okay if they just obeyed God. And this really came down to a very simple, same question that's true for all the trials that we ever go through, anybody goes through, and that was same for Isaac and same for Abraham. And really, it's just one question. Do I really believe in the goodness of God? Do I really believe that God wants good? He wants good for me. Do I believe that? Or do I believe, do I believe what the devil said to Eve way back in the garden with the first temptation in Genesis 3, 4 In Genesis 3, 4, when it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die? God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open. You'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. So way back then, in the Garden of Eden, the decision to obey or sin, it all came down to one simple question. Was God really good or not? Was God really bad? Was he really keeping good knowledge from Eve so that her eyes could be open and she would know what's really good for her to know? Or was God really bad in keeping keeping her in the dark from what would be good for her to know? And that same question has just never changed, come down through the ages. God says that to all virgins you know, it's good for them. It's good for you to know sexual union before you get married. The same question comes out, is God really bad? Is he keeping this good pleasure from me? Is he really bad? Is he keeping me in the dark about sexual knowledge? And that was the same question that faced Eve about eating the forbidden fruit, and she decided to believe the devil, and she concluded that, it was, that he was right. Why? Because it was hard for her. It was hard for her to see that beautiful fruit and to think that it was good to eat and make one wise and that, and, and, and that God was bad to forbid her to eat such a wonderful fruit. And that's the same decision that goes on today where, 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 with regard to sexual activity. And that basic core question of the goodness of God, it was on the table there for Abraham and Isaac there was God really bad or really good to require that Isaac be sacrificed? It was really hard for Abraham. It was hard for Abraham to look at his son and to think that he must be the one to, to take Isaac's life and to make him a burnt offering. As, as one parent came, came up to me after the service last Sunday, Sunday and said that she couldn't imagine sacrificing her son. And it was really hard for Abraham. It was really hard for Isaac it was hard for Isaac to look at his young life and to think he must, be, he must be the sacrifice. He must die. He must be the burnt offering. And I was thinking, you know, as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a dear believer that, 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 that his name was Temeskin. Got really close to Temeskin, an Ethiopian. He was 12 years old. When he developed, he was 12 years old when he developed osteosarcoma in his right leg. He was living in a mud hut, not very far from where we are in Ethiopia, one mountain over. He was living in a mud hut in Ethiopia, and, 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 and when, when this happened, as a matter of fact, I remember him t- he t- trying to explain to me one time how he got to his village, as opposed to where where our Scandinavian compound is located in Ethiopia. He says, "Well, you know, when you go outside of, of of Addis, that 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 place where they sell the donkeys," he said, "you go that way, and you go instead of going that way." But anyways, that's where he was down there. Anyway, so he got this osteosarcoma, big huge tumor on his leg, they, and the people said, "You know, you 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 got to go to Addis Ababa, you know to to." And so he gets to Addis Ababa, and a drama, and he goes to the general hospital there, and they say, "Well, that's cancer, and you know, unless you have, that, unless you have your leg amputated off, you're going to die. And we only have two, uh, two, two, uh, two, two uh, bone surgeons here in, in Ethiopia for 85 million people. And uh, they're all booked up for over a year, and you're going to die in nine months, and it's really expensive to transport a dead corpse back to your village. So if you don't mind, just please go back to your village and die there. And so, you know, everybody, but he trusted God. And everybody was crying, but he trusted God. And then, and then they, they, they said, uh, well, wait a minute. They said, uh, we've heard that the Mother Teresa Hospital over there in, in, uh, in, in another place, and we'll go over there. So they went over there to the Mother Teresa Hospital, which mainly has cancer patients, and they have a ward there of about 40 uh, uh, young kids with cancer. I had a had privilege one time of, of speaking to them all, and anyway, so he was in this ward there with all these kids with cancer, and they were all looking at this big, huge lump on his leg, and, and, he, and he made friends with another fellow named Mohammed who had the same osteosarcoma, and he, and he had his leg, left leg amputated. And so a doctor comes along, and, 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 and he says, uh, he, he, he says, uh, you know, I've never done an amputation before. But he said, I'll give it a try. And, and he amputated Kameskin's right leg at the hip. And and then uh, and then he and Muhammad became good friends, and they used to go down to the Mercato there, the, uh, the the market, and they and they used to buy, and they used to come back so proud that they could buy one pair of shoes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. and then and then and then and then what happened was Tomeskin. How I got to know him is Tomeskin was adopted by my attorney Mary Louise Cohen in in Washington D.C., and that's when I met Tomeskin. And as soon as he learned English we became friends, close friends. And because he was a believer in all the conversations, Tomeskin, you've been adopted into a Jewish family, and let me tell you what that means. And I says, you know, they don't, they don't believe in Christ. And all I remember so much is innocent eyes, why? Anyway, we had a lot of, dis- I told him, I said, I'll tell you why, I said, I don't know. But, <clears throat> but, 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 but Temeskin was just amazed to have come from this extreme poverty in a mud hut to wealth, living in a multi-million-dollar house uh, uh, on uh, on Military Avenue in in Washington D.C., and and going to, and getting things like an iPod and a watch you know, and 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 having a having a closet full of clothes. Yeah, he had a closet. He has a closet of clothes in Ethiopia, and they happen to be on his back. That's the only clothes he had. But then all of a sudden, he's there and he's learning all these things. He's going to a school that the high school that costs $40,000 a year in tuition. And he's just like learning things and seeing things he's never seen before. And, 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 and for the first time in his life, he'd never happened to him before. He saw the ocean, Ethiopia's landlocked. He saw the ocean and he caught a fish. <laughs> caught a fish. Ethiopians don't eat fish, and they caught a fish. You know, and, and and that was just wonderful. And he swam in the ocean for the first time. He became a good swimmer with one leg, and, and 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 he and he saw snow for the first time, and he played in it, and and he got to ride a horse for the first time, and 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 and, and everything was just just fantastic with him, and, and it was just such a wonderful thing as he was discovering one thing after another. It was like a kid that was being born, and then. He 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 he. Um, and so I taught Tameskin some hymns in English, and then he he said, "Well, I don't have any." So he began to write hymns in Amharic in the Ethiopian language, and then he got a guitar and and he and he learned to play the guitar and he loved to play the guitar. and He played the guitar for me and 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 and, 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 and tell me sing his songs and teach tell me what they meant and and. Uh, and, and then he began to explain to me that back in his church, back in Ethiopia, they didn't have any musical instruments. They didn't have any hymns. They had no, no music, no songs to praise God, no musical instrument. That's why he got a guitar and he wrote hymns and he told me the words of the hymns, which were all about the greatness of God and the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and of course, now he has glasses on, but he had beautiful eyes that would sparkle with delight as he told me how he couldn't wait to, to get his education over with in that $40,000 a year school. And then he was going to return to his church back in Ethiopia with his guitar and his hymns. And he was going to teach the church how to sing hymns of praise to God. And it was, and, 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 and we got close, and, and, and like Jonathan and David close. And, and, but, and everything was going great, but Tumescan's cancer came back. And Mary Louise and Bruce Cohen... They did everything for him. They took Tomeskin to the best cancer centers in the US. They took him to the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, to the George Washington University Cancer Center, to St. Jude's, and his cancer would not stop. And as they gave Tomeskin super high doses of methotrexate chemotherapy, Tomeskin told me he couldn't take it any longer, and when they would come into his hospital room to give him more methotrexate, he would pull the covers over his face. And they would still give it to him until finally he locked himself in the bathroom in the hospital and he would yell, no, no. And so it was decided, okay, no more chemo. And Temeskin was glad. And they cleaned up Temeskin's port in his, his chest and showed him how to keep it sterile and told him that, Temeskin, you can make one last trip now back to Ethiopia. And, 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 and he asked his oncologist, would she go to Ethiopia with him? And his cancer nurse at George Washington University Hospital, and they did. And they all went back. It was a big entourage of people that went to Ethiopia. And, and, and then he asked me, would I go to Ethiopia? Well, i got to be honest with you. At first, you know, I said, Ethiopia? I don't know. No, I don't think Ethiopia, no. Uh, but then he said, uh, Bruce Cohen is going. Bruce is Jewish, and, and Mary Louise is not. Bruce Cohen, I always wanted to get to know Bruce because he was the chief legal, legal advisor for P- Patrick Leahy at the time the Democrats had the, had the Senate. Patrick Leahy was in charge of the judicial committee, <clears throat> so so, so and he was never home working. I always wanted to get to know Bruce. So he said, "Bruce is going." Bruce, I said, "I'll go. I don't care if it's Antarctica. I'll go." So I said yes. It was my first trip to Ethiopia in 2007. And Temeskin, uh when we were there, Temeskin looked at me and he said, "Would you bring the gospel to my people?" And 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 uh, and and and. and um, and it was hard for Tomeskin. I remember he opened up his English Bible, and he read this passage to me in Joshua 1.3. He says, you know, if you come back here to Ethiopia, he said, Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And Temeskin told me that, you know, when, I, when, you, when you come back, come back to Ethiopia, and every step that you take in Ethiopia, I want you just to repeat those words. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. And I looked at Temeskin, as those eyes and I told him, yes I would, and and, and 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 that's why we have a company in Ethiopia, uh, because I made a promise to my little buddy, my little Ethiopian buddy, Temeskin. And, and, and I also realized as you as you heard from that young missionary mother in the Nairobi airport that God asked me to, and, and then it was and so it was going on and it was very very clear that Tomeskin was going to die, and so I began to try to speak to my friend. Uh, Temeskin about heaven, and when I'd, when I'd start to talk about heaven, Tomeskin would stop me, and he would say, no, I'm not gonna die. He said, I'm just 15 years old, and I'm just beginning my life for God, and I have not gone back to my church in Ethiopia. I need to teach them my hymns and play my guitar for them. Don't talk to me about dying. I'm not gonna die because God's gonna heal me. I've seen him heal other people. And Temeskin, and he, he had these reports of other people getting healed, and he used to keep them and read them and reread them. And, 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 and Temeskin changed his whole view of the Bible. He'd get all excited, and he'd tell Tom, Tom, do you know what Jesus did? How he healed this person when he was blind, and he healed that person. It was really hard for Tomeskin to even think that he was gonna die. And so I bought him a book. I bought him a 500-page book on heaven and I said, here, Maskin, He refused to open it. And, and, and I didn't know what to do. And I was sitting there struggling, and I, and, I, and I think, I need to prepare my little friend to die.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box seven one one three P.O. Box seven one one three three zero 330 Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071.
2: Join Tom Cancer for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources, Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.